Welcome to the Manuscript Academy podcast, brought to you by a writer and an agent who both believe that education is key. The beauty is the people you meet along the way, and that community makes all the difference. Here at the Manuscript Academy, you can learn the skills, make the connections, and have access to experts all from home. I'm Julie Kingsley. And I'm Jessica Sinsheimer. Put down your pens, pause your word counts, and enjoy. Welcome, Kirsten Armada, Associate Agent from PS Literary, and her fabulous client, Amy Schaefer, for our first ever Agent Client Edition of the Manuscript Academy podcast. Thanks for having us. Kirsten, I was intrigued by something you mentioned in an email about having a client who was not only not in the United States, but on a boat. How did the two of you meet? Was it at a conference in the slush pile? We want to hear your story. Uh, Yes. So as you might be able to predict, it was not in person at a conference. Uh, I was not flying around internationally meeting clients, although I wish I could do that. That'd be cool. That would be so cool. Yeah. So it was the traditional slush pile. It was, you know, we always keep saying as agents, it works, it works. We promise you don't need some sort of crazy special in, yeah. but it does. It's, it's old, reliable. And I think it's so interesting how many writers are terrified of the idea of not being in the United States when they're selling a book here. And a lot of people seem to think that this is just an insurmountable obstacle, but I think it's actually more and more common. What do you think? Oh, I definitely agree. I'm thinking you know, on my own list, of course, there's Amy. And then I have two clients in Australia at the moment, and then uh, one in Copenhagen. And I've, I've definitely talked to authors in a few other countries. And to me, the most difficult burden there is like somewhat time zones, but even that not that big of a deal. It's I think it's becoming way more common now. Yeah, absolutely. Because what do you need? You need their words and occasionally their voice. And I was thinking about it on the way here. Actually, the fact that publishers don't really put people on multi-city book tours is almost an advantage for the international writer because they don't expect multi-city book tours. Right, right. I've never had a publisher say, you know, oh, but where is your client base? Because we need to be able to fly them out to these convenient locations, but like uh, on a, a small budget. Mm-hmm. Probably. Like that's never, never been a, a question. Probably with like the book cover painted on the outside of the private jet. That's how I envision that going. Kind of like the Pokemon jets. Yes. So Amy, tell us about your writing journey. All right. Well, for me, I was always a big reader. When my parents would send me away to summer camp, I would pack half a suitcase of clothes and half a suitcase of books. And I'd always made up stories in my head. So, you know, naturally, as I grew up, I ignored all those obvious clues and I went into the sciences instead. So I worked, uh, I got my master's and I worked in a research lab for a while. And then finally, um, I had my, my first daughter and I thought, I've always loved making up stories. Uh, I'm home. I'm going to have time on my hands. So I'm just going to start writing all these down, which is, of course, obviously the natural time when you've got so much time and you're really thinking clearly. But I never looked back. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. When I moved aboard six years ago, when we got on the boat, it became more of a challenge just because it was so many people in such a small space. And I would say things like, okay, guys, I'm sitting down to write now. So everybody give me some room. And everybody would say, yes, yes, yes. And within three minutes, it'd be like, I'm trapped in the engine room. Can you get me the vice grips or mom, I need another sandwich or whatever it was. So (laughs) in a way it was good because it really made me make a choice 
And I had to decide, am I going to do this? Do I care enough about this? And the answer for me was definitely yes. Like the few days I tried to say, I'm just not doing this anymore. It's too hard. I was miserable. And I went right back to it. So, so in that sense, it really, it solidified my, my will to go ahead. But since that time, while I was on the boat, I was writing for sailing magazines and doing articles in that space, as well as working on my fiction. And now that we're not sailing anymore, I've given up the sailing stuff and I'm just focusing on the fiction. I feel like I want to travel with you. I feel like we could travel and we could go so much lighter because I could carry half the books and you could carry half the books. And we would be flinging them across the airport floors. (laughs) I often do. Um, Tell us about signing. Tell us about that moment. Tell us about how, when you knew this was the relationship that you wanted to go forward with with Kirsten. Okay. So like Kirsten said, I went through the slush pile. Um, She requested a partial and then she requested a full. And then I finally got the email saying, you know, I want to have a call and talk about this. And for me, I mean, the real reason I signed with her was because she got the book completely. And while we were having the call, I was geeking out completely because she was giving me all these notes. I'm like, yes, yes, that's such a good idea. Oh, I want to do that. And then I want to do these seven things and all those things are going to make this book so much better. And I was so excited by the end of it. I I just absolutely knew like this is going to work out great. And it has. Oh, can you tell us a little bit about what you're working on? Well, right now, um, the book I'm just finishing up is about kids who live on a spaceship with their parents and sort of travel around the galaxy. So as you can tell, this is informed by my years living on the boat, but I thought it would be a fun perspective because we so often get spaceship stories, but they're more about a crew and not necessarily a family and definitely not from a kid perspective. So this would be a a middle grade novel that I'm working on now. And Kirsten, did you know you were making the offer to someone on a boat? I did. um, And I didn't, I honestly, I didn't think through so many of the things that she would have to deal with. You know, I would find out afterwards. Well, I think she sent me an email. Um, Amy, you said, uh, you know, sorry, I might be out of touch. The radio on the boat isn't working, so I don't have internet. <laughs> um, and I didn't even know that was how you, I didn't even think through how you got your internet on a boat, yeah. honestly, while you're over there trying to make it work over radio. For me, it was easy, but for you, it was probably a nightmare. Yeah. And I, I would say internet is a bit of an overstatement. While we were traveling, we had a single sideband radio, which is very long range radio and you bounce off the atmosphere. But it's the so-called email that I had was really like trying to send a text message off your phone in 1997. (laughs) That was about as good as it got. And we felt lucky for that. Like it was super exciting when it actually worked. That when it was contract time, uh, we did a digital version, but for the paper copies, you said something like, oh, well, we'll be docking in X amount of weeks and I can probably get a scanner then. And then we can (laughs) drop it at the postal service at this time. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, that was, oh, that was complicated. I was in... When we signed, I was in Papua New Guinea and we essentially had no mail service. Like I was living in the in the middle of a mining camp and it was just what I ended up having to do was give it to somebody who was going off island to Australia and hope that they would actually post it for me. But I think that's about as complicated as it got. But hey, if you made that work, anyone who's listening anywhere with internet should be feeling pretty relieved right now. I should think so. In this day and age, really, there's not much of an excuse like well, I don't want to say an excuse, but you're, you're accessible. Everybody really is accessible in, in some way, shape or form. And if you're going to be someone complicated like I was, 
what I did in all my query letters was I just put a little one-line explanation at the end of each one of them saying, I'm on a boat. I will get like, if you want something, I will get back to you, but it, it might not be immediate. And I didn't have any complaints about that. Nobody came back to me and said, what are you talking about? I want this within the three minutes that I send you the email. Like, it's just, huh. it's not that bad. It'll you know, publishing so fast paced. So well, I know, so I know you're just moving, moving, moving all the time. <laughs> It is always amazing to me when writers panic about not getting their manuscript to me fast enough. Oh, yeah. They always email like, oh, I'm so sorry. I was out of town for the weekend. And I'm like, what? Who is this? Because <laughs> <laughs> I immediately forget until I get the manuscript. And then I get excited all over again. Um, but I just assume they'll send it when they have time. I don't know. Yeah. I have to tell a lot of people, like, you're not going out of style. You don't have an expiration date. Please don't panic. So again, if this works on a boat, take that to heart. If you, you know, have to wait until that evening to mail the manuscript that was requested at lunchtime. Absolutely. I do know some agents that do surprise phone calls, which I would never do, um, partly because of the time zone thing, but also because I want people to, to have time to prepare. But some agents I've heard definitely hop on the phone and call someone up and offer rep like right then and there. In this case, would you have gotten a message like, and we are on a boat. We will have signal in several days. Right, I would have left like the status voicemail. (laughs) A lot of times we just didn't have a phone at all, right? I mean, what I had, again, living in 1997, I had an ancient little Nokia and a drawer full of SIM cards. So every time we'd go to, like I had more SIM cards than Stringer Bell. Every time we'd go to a new country, like another one would join my little pile. I must have 20 of them sitting in a drawer somewhere now. So I had a phone. I usually didn't add a phone number to my query letters because I didn't have one that was going to be valid for more than three weeks. But email, email is constant. You know, people will find you. If, if, if an agent loves your stuff, they're going to find you. That's, that's the way I looked at it. That was the only way to stay sane. And it's true. Uh, Kirsten, what do you love so much about Amy's work? Yes. Yeah, so it's stuff that I love about her work and then stuff that I love about her as an author client. So this manuscript work on now is the second manuscript we've worked on together. When I love it, it's the houseboat and space one, um, which is so much fun. And I just love, she has such like a crisp, clear writing style She's always doing something really cool, like in sci-fi, which is, of course, right up my alley. But the thing that really cinched it for me was on the call. She's just such a professional about her writing. And that's so important to hear someone who takes their writing really seriously and has like a giant bucket load of ideas and is just ready to tackle all of them and think about things long term. And that's what took me from like, I love this book. Like, I love this writing it's just fun from start to finish to this is an author I can really work with. What does it feel like? To, like, that must feel amazing. Like, like, tell us what you're thinking. It, it, it does feel amazing, but I have to tell you, you know, being the good Canadian that I am getting that much praise is, is very tough. So I'm, I'm glad that people are going to be <laughs> listening to this podcast instead of actually watching me sit here and blush in my chair. <laughs> it was pretty amazing to watch your face as she said that. <laughs> Well, I can't even see. So. I'm glad. That's just as well. You can still imagine me as this professional person. Your square is very composed. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you guys think the most important factor in building a career, uh, like a U.S. publishing career while living abroad? So, so what do you have to think about and what are the benefits? Well, for my part, I mean, you... <sighs> Every every writer should know you've got to deal with the as an English speaking writer as an English writer 
you've got to deal with the U.S. at some point, right? It's going to be your biggest world market. So that only makes sense. And it's such a publishing hub. Like, I suppose it really never occurred to me to start anywhere else. Like once I started really writing seriously and reading blogs and sort of trying to educate myself about the publishing process, it was just clear that so much of this was in the U.S. and in particular in New York City. Like it just seemed natural to try that. Yeah. So I actually encounter this um, in a lot of ways because of the clients I work with, but also because the agency is based in Canada. So I get a lot of authors who are like, you know, if I'm in Canada, like, should I have a Canadian agent? Should I have a U.S. agent? If I'm in the U.S., like, should I have like a Canadian agent? Should I not? Like, what what does that mean? And with the Canada versus U.S. thing, that it makes very little to no difference, very little difference uh, because they're just right there. And for me, I have to say, like, it's something I do. I do think about it, what the touring potential would be if, you know, fingers crossed, it becomes this huge bestseller and they want you in every city, you know, that kind of thing. But other than thinking about it, like, really long term like that, what conventions might be most accessible for my authors, that kind of thing. I, it doesn't really come up too much when trying to worry about negatives. So one thing I think can be a benefit for some authors. Like I said, I have Australian clients. We actually have a few options there with them where we go US and it doesn't really matter that they're in Australia or we can also go straight to UK, which isn't necessarily our first choice, but is a big open option for them because they're in Australia and Australia is a huge market for the UK market. So it it opens up some roads and I don't think it really closes any doors. So 10 years ago, would this have been possible? Well, I mean, there was email 10 years ago. I'm not sure how many agents had really moved out of the, you know, old paper letter, self-addressed stamped envelope uh, world and into email, but it's certainly much easier now. And I mean, for me, even sailors pull into port sometimes, right? Like it's a totally doable thing now. You just, it would have been tougher 10 years ago, but I think it still would have worked. We were certainly still on paper 10 years ago. I think that was normal that everyone had their envelope. And I seem to remember being annoyed when people sent e-queries, actually, because we hadn't figured out an easier way to process them yet. Uh, Kirsten, what do you think? 10 years ago? Yeah, I think it would have been definitely doable, but it would have been a lot more difficult, partly because of the agency stuff, but also because a lot of the publishers hadn't really made a switch Mm -hmm. yet in a lot of ways. And I'm just kind of imagining everyone wanting this, like, someone to send a paper manuscript over and like what a nightmare that would become. Yeah. Well, Um, if you thought outside the SACE, as it were, she could have emailed it to you and then you'd printed it out and then mailed it to all the publishers, I suppose. But you'd have to be thinking in a very innovative way. Right, right. And I think in that case, it would have been even more crucial for someone to have an agent that was based in New York. Mm -hmm. You know, if you couldn't be based in New York, then your representative needed to be. Um, and now that's not really the case anymore. I mean, I find it important to be here for networking, but it's not as crucial as it used to be. We could all be in little cabins with typewriters if we really wanted. Well, we do. That's my fantasy, Jessica. (laughs) (laughs) It's mine too. I want a little place like off the Metro North somewhere that I can walk to and just have like no Wi-Fi whatsoever. That's very important. I have a lot of days where I have to disable the Wi-Fi to get work done. Yeah. It's funny so how people, the constant refreshing is so not refreshing. Yes, it's it's just a time suck. And all of a sudden I look up and it's 11 o'clock and I don't understand how that happened. So, and the energy off. suck. 
the energy oh, section. Yeah. Just like, what's go- what's it going to be? What's it going to be? What's this? What's this? <laughs> Amy, so, was it was it a weird adjustment for you being back in constant contact, like having people feel like they could reach you all the time? Yes, I mean you you've got the muscle memory. You come back to it and. I, I tell people it's a lot like coming out of the Narnia wardrobe. Like you don't really know where all those years went and everybody and everything is exactly the same the way you left it. Like, I think the only thing we really missed was the smartphone revolution. So we had to figure out how to use an iPhone. But other than that, it was like, Oh yeah, people call me all the time and email me all the time. <laughs> but again, you learn how to, you learn how to manage your time. Right. I mean, otherwise you just don't get along. So ladies, we have a new a new range of questioning with the agent client, you know, perspective of like, you know, getting together and dating. It's like a marriage. So we're gonna see. I'm gonna give you two choices and you can both answer. So notebook or laptop? Definitely laptop. Desktop. I love the enormous screen. Bourbon or beer? Bourbon? Oh no, rye whiskey. Okay. That's delicious. Jen. Snow or sand? Neither. <laughs> sand. It's not even a question. No, 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 no. Sand gets in everything. It's gross. It's awful. Snow, Snow also is cold. Gets... Yeah, but you're not, you don't have to be in it. It doesn't like follow you inside. I ran away from Canada for nearly seven years because of the snow. No snow. That's true. Chocolate or caramel? Chocolate. Chocolate, definitely. Rowling or Tolkien? Is this where I admit that I've never finished either one of those series or? <laughs> you don't have to. You can just choose one. Yes. Hmm. Uh, Rowling, I guess. If I have to pick one that I haven't finished, I pick Rowling. And I had to think about that one for a long time because I have read those series. <laughs> my my youngest is actually reading the, the Harry Potter books for the third time right now. And she still cracks up at all the jokes. And that's skill. So I went with, with uh, Rowling in the end. Although it was a very hard one. Like, how do you say no to Tolkien? And the end of the, the two towers, when Sam and Frodo are stuck in the mountains and they got the spider and there's just so much fear and tension happening there. That's awesome. But I think I'm still going to give it to Rowling. That is a really good scene. I think, I think I got closer to the end of Tolkien than I did with Rowling. I think I stopped at book five of the Harry Potter series, but then I read like plenty of fan fiction. So I know what happens. Like I know the plot. <laughs> so I'm set. But then I never finished the very end of, of Lord of the Rings. You're hurting my middle school like heart. I'm so sorry. I really like The Hobbit though. That one was really good. Well, I have to say Tolkien took me a long time to get into. I must have tried it five times before it finally took. And then I ran with it. But before that, yeah, it was a lot of description. Once I learned how to skim better as a reader, I that one worked better for me. Yeah, I had like the giant omnibus version and I'm pretty sure I was in middle school at that point and it was just, it was a lot. Well, yeah, and the problem with that is when you fall asleep, those things really hurt when they fall on your face. So you've <laughs> got to go for the slimmer editions. So do you have any advice for author agent pairs in this position? Um, I'd say communicate, but that's my advice for any relationship. Just talk it out. got to talk it out. Yeah, I agree with the communicate. Um, one of my things that I always stress when writers ask, kind of this kind of question is that you need to know what you want from an agent because uh, we're all really different. And if you just think like, oh, well, I want a good agent, question mark, um, that's not going to be very helpful. And I think that goes kind of double, triple for international clients. So if they want someone who's always there in person with, with editors, like that makes a difference. Or if they want someone who 
I don't know, is always going to be on the phone all the time. That makes a big difference. Like that is going to be a lot harder when you're international with the time zones. Um, but yeah, that would just be like how much communication you wanted to have and what style of communication you wanted to have. That would be a really big question. All right. So where can we find you both online? Um, I'm on Twitter. Um, my handle is Amy and a book, and that's probably the best place to find me. Well, I am in many places, but I am on Twitter as well. Uh, just at Kirsten Armada, uh, K U R E S T I N A R M A D A. Uh, and the uh, PS Literary website is just psliterary.com. Thank you guys so much. This is amazing. Oh, it was my pleasure. Yeah, this is fun. We are so glad that you joined us. And as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. It not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our first pages podcast, you can send it to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with first pages podcast in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.